Here we are at the aquarium, says Papa Bear. The what? asks Sister. The aquarium, says Mama. It is a zoo of the sea. There are many things to see, says Papa. I want to see the whale, says Brother. I want to see the dolphins, says Sister. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week we are covering a book that I could literally have researched and talked about for a week, uh, two weeks, three weeks. I'm not going to because it's a really short book, but I find it fascinating because it represents a weird cultural shift. The moment it came out and was published, it I mean, even before it was published, but kind of around this time pop culturally speaking, we were really having a large conversation about what this book covers and where this book ends up. It's There's two opposing forces at play in this week's book, and I find them very, very interesting. But it's also a very innocent book that is meant to delight children by fascinating them with a the thing they love, which is sea animals. That's right. This week we are covering 2012's I can read beginning reading one level book, The Berenstain Bears at the Aquarium by Jan and Mike Berenstain. And this is very much a book about animals. It displays the Berenstain's love of animals and animals within bear country. Uh, it also shows a bunch of different animals, which is just something that I feel the Berenstains always enjoyed getting out there, which is showing animals in their unique art style. Uh, in this case, of course, sea animals or water animals, as it were, because this is a book that takes place, as the title could tell you, at the aquarium. Now, one of the reasons I could have gone on and on for hours about this book is because the history of the aquarium uh, in human culture is old and long and very involved. But uh, it, it goes, I mean, the notion of keeping aquatic life uh, goes back uh, thousands of years. I believe they traced it back to the Chinese. Uh, in China, they were the first people on record as as keeping uh, a water life, keeping aquatic life for uh, for display purposes, as opposed to, I mean, they also developed the farming of fish, but as opposed to the farming of fish, uh, keeping fish and sea plants and sea animals simply for decorative reasons. Uh, but of course, what they were able to accomplish was not what we think of as an aquarium because what they were able to do was create artificial ponds, basically, where they kept different types of fish. Uh, and when we think of the aquarium, we think of, strangely enough, it's an aquarium if you can see a fish from the side. If you have to look down to see the fish or the sea snake or the clam, it is, in our minds, not really an aquarium. It's just a bowl full of full of life. <laughs> Like like soup. It's soup, basically. If you can't see from the sides, you're looking at just raw soup. But once you can see the animals from the sides, they suddenly it's a, this is an aquarium, my friends. Whether it's a a small house aquarium or a large uh, municipal aquarium where the fish actually go over your head and you feel like you're going to get eaten by a shark. But so where did we come up? Where did the concept of what we think of as the aquarium uh, come from? Like, what what was what 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 triggered that in the 
in the popular consciousness. Um, well, it didn't begin in Rome. I'll tell you right now. There's a, a much a much derided legend that uh, the, the ancient Roman uh, developed the first glass side aquarium uh, around. Well, actually, I say ancient around 50 A.D. It's a, the, the 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 legend was that they developed glass panes that and had large mar large marble tanks with glass panes where they could see the fish. Uh, that's a lie. It was not true, but it got bandied about for a long time uh, when it came to like the history of aquariums. But no, the history, the real, the concept of the aquarium, you can see through the sides of course had to had to follow the development of glass the ability to create larger panes of glass um the word aquarium was actually used uh in, in the mid-19th century to describe a, a place for growing aquatic plants but it was actually in the 1930s uh the, a french nash nat not nationalist naturalist uh developed the first glass aquarium in 1832 um, and then this British guy sort of kept developing, you know, they, and then they ended up kind of working together. There was, there was, there were competing aquarium developers trying to work out the problems of housing fish in glass containers. And when you think about it, it's a big problem because we didn't really understand the exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide. We didn't understand quite the interplay between plant life and fish life and, uh, and well, basically what happened was through the experiments, they were, it was almost always a saltwater aquarium. They discovered that you had to have plants because there was no pumps, obviously they had, you had to have plants in the water in order to provide oxygen for the fish, but then the plants would die and they would decompose and that would contaminate the water. So then you had to have snails, which would eat the decomposing matter and then the snails would reproduce uh, and lay eggs, and those eggs would be fed upon by the fish. And they started developing these closed systems that were able to sustain themselves. And they wrote, there were papers written on it. Uh, there were controversies about the size of the aquarium, the thickness of the glass, uh, how you could, you know, like uh, what you needed to do to have a successful aquarium. Because again, no easily controlled lighting no controlled temperature, no controlled air supply. So this all had to be completely self-contained. And of course, it's amazing with a little ingenuity and a whole lot of there's no such thing as television, what people were able to accomplish. So the first public displayed aquarium was at Regent's Park in London uh, at what is now like the London Zoo. And I believe that where the London Aquarium is might still be the same location. I'm not sure. I didn't do that in depth, but it was 19. It was 19. It was 1853. The first display aquarium. These weren't the massive structures we think of now, but they were pretty big. Uh, there were some big panels with fish behind glass. Uh, and it was P.T. Barnum, who brought the giant aquarium to New York for his super controversial American Museum uh, in 1856 and sort of kickstarted the American obsession with the aquariums. Of course, the museum burned down and the whale that P.T. Barnum uh, had in his aquarium was, uh, according to the story, boiled in its own tank. Uh, so, you know, that fell through. But, you know, don't worry. P.T. Barnum rebuilt his museum. I mean, it, and then and that one burned down. But by 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 the early 1920s, uh, public and commercial aquariums were 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 beginning to thrive throughout the world. By 1928, there were 45 public or commercial aquariums, you know, like paid for by tax dollars or paid for by private individuals uh, throughout the world, and they just continued to grow. Um, and by 19 in 1938 was the first Oceanarium, which was a huge marine aquarium. And that was called Marineland. And that opened up in Florida. And uh, 
And that kicked off the second part of the development of the aquarium, which is, hey, what if we didn't just try to bring people in to look at fish? What if we trained the animals to do fun things for people? And that is where this week's books, Two Worlds Collide. The concept of the aquarium as a place to educate the public about marine life and the concept of the aquarium as a place to entertain the public with hilarious tricks that animals can do. So what is the plot of this book? Well, the plot is the Berenstain Bears go to the aquarium. This is a beginning reader book. It's an I can read book. It's very simply written. It is clearly just there to take kids on a tour of the aquarium. Uh, so the bear family, as, you, as I read it up top, the bear family goes to the aquarium and brother wants to see the whale, singular, and sister wants to see the dolphins, plural. Keep that in mind. That is our through line throughout the entire book. So they go into this aquarium and it is a panel aquarium. Like the, it's not giant walls of fish. It is, it is like window after window after window. They're big windows, but it's window after window after window into the, into the fish. So First, they see a swordfish with a very long nose, a pointy nose. We all know what a swordfish is. Papa thinks it's cool. Brother thinks it's interesting. Uh, sister is disgusted by the appearance of the flounder, which lays which lays on its side on the bottom of the tank and has eyes on one side of its head. Flounders, if you're not familiar, and I'm sure you are familiar because you're smarter than me, flounders are uh, very unusual fish. Uh, they are very unusual looking. Uh, they are they 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 are flat like they're flat on the side. They they lay on their side, but their eyes are on one side of their head. They are unusual um, and uh, not cute like the one in uh, the little. Mer but so sister is appropriately disgusted. But the flounder is smiling at them because it's a Berenstain book. Uh, Papa says it's a, here's a catfish, and there is a catfish. And brother comments that it looks like a cat, which as a child I was always confused on. I didn't think catfish necessarily look like cats but i get it they have the whiskers and the mama points out a dogfish to sister and she's like it doesn't look like a dog uh which i also remember thinking uh when i was a kid why why does a catfish have cat features while a dogfish is just uh is is just is just there and uh i think it's because a dogfish is a kind of shark is that true dogfish are like are, are kinds of shark right uh, like they're like bottom feeding, bottom feeding sharks. I don't know why they're called dogfish. Um, I just, I don't, I don't understand like why you would call them that. I, 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 again, could spend all week investigating every aspect of this book. So, uh, so if you know, just tell me why, just let me know, drop a line. Why did, why are dogfish called dogfish? They see an octopus in the next room. The cubs seem confused as to where the front of the octopus is. Uh, again, they're not reading any of the signs, by the way. They're not reading any of the, any of the information. They're just looking at the fish, which is fine. They're not all fish, but which is fine. Uh, you don't have to read everything, but I, I want to point that out. Keep that in mind. They're, not, they're wondering what is, the, what is the front, what is the back of the octopus. It doesn't occur to them there might be literature to look at. They see the jellyfish, and Papa says, oh, they can watch out. They can sting you. Mama says, not if we stay out of the tank, which is pretty fun. Uh, then they see the penguins. They'll call back to nothing ever happens at the North South Pole. Sorry. Nothing ever happens at the South Pole. The penguin tank has a slide built in, and it looks like a playground slide, which is amusing. Uh, I, I Normally, in in like these, these human-built structures, they try to make it look as much like like the animal's natural habitat as possible. So this bright blue and yellow uh, uh, slide is 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 sort of stands out there, but you know, blue and yellow. Uh, we are a pro-Ukraine uh, podcast. So they ask, uh, why can't they? Why can't they fly? And Papa says, because they can't. And sister says, why don't they walk? And brother says, some of them do, which I find a, a strange thing to say. All all of them do. All of these penguins walk. Sister, it's not brother. The, the the ones that are swimming are not walking because they are swimming. Uh, then they get to a big tank with some scary fish. 
Uh, the sharks are scary. Uh, look at their sharp teeth. And again, brother, you're less likely to be bitten by a shark than you are to be bitten by a person uh, in your life. So uh, keep that in mind, that sharks are not necessarily dangerous uh, unless there's something wrong uh, or it's one of the rare, rare, rare occasions where a shark does attack a person. Uh, sister wants to point out that the sunfish is very funny because that has a big head. Thanks, sister, for, uh, again, making fun of the way a fish looks. Just leave it alone, sister. The fish are just doing their thing. They're not bothering you at all. She has a thing about flat fish that are kind of funny looking. But I also want to point out that the sunfish is pretty funny looking. It is also ginormous. The fish, the sunfish in this book, not that big. The sunfish in real life, frighteningly, terrifyingly huge. One of the most terrifyingly large things I think you could encounter in the sea, not just because of its size, but because it is so unusual looking. So then they go outside, outside into the open where there's otters. And I'm like, okay, so this is the, the definition of aquarium is they're playing a little fast and loose. I'm wondering if this aquarium is attached to the zoo and you just, you have to buy a separate like ticket to get into the aquarium. They decided to do the aquarium today. I don't know. Uh, but they watch the otters, watch them slide. Uh, these are, I assume, not sea otters. There's two different kinds of otters. It's like river otters and sea otters that we deal with. And uh, one is cool and one is horrifying. Uh, I think it's the sea otters that are horrifying. Which one's the ones that are horrifying, like behaviorally? There's horrifying sea otters. In any case, it's 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 terrifying. If you want, just Google how horrifying are otters, and I'm sure you'll find an article. But they're horrifying. Uh, they will blow your image of otters right out of the water. No pun intended. So in any case, I got to hurry and finish this up. So brother wants to see the whale. Sister wants to see the dolphins. Uh, they enjoy watching the seals get fed. Uh, they have a bite to eat. And then finally, they get to the end of the book, which is the whale and dolphin show. And here's the controversy. So in recent years, and by recent, I mean the last 20 years, the concept of aquariums uh, making the dolphins, whales, seals, etc., perform for an audience. Uh, the very notion of dolphins and whales specifically being kept in captivity uh, has met with a lot more pushback, not only from special interest groups, but also from the public at large. Why? Because, uh, because animal behavioralists and animal specialists, people who study these kind of things, have learned uh, from studying these kind of things, that whales and dolphins do not thrive in captivity. Uh, they do not do well in captivity. We think that they're happy because they are clapping their hands. That is because they are being fed fish. Uh, and they know what they have to do to survive. Turns out that they have shorter lifespans uh, than uh, a, a healthy dolphin or whale in the wild, and that they are actually depressed, and it is unnatural for them to be separated from a large pod uh, out in the sea. So uh, also the fact that they are that they are frequently mistreated, even if it's unintentional, and that their lives are fairly miserable. And uh, and they are they and the fact that you know an animal that is that is evolved to swim free forever probably shouldn't be kept in a in, in an even even a large tank and forced to perform for a bunch of bunch of humans or bears. So uh, they get to the show and the dolphins leap and jump and spin. The, the, the trainer tells them to do tricks, the bears clap. And then, okay, here's the big controversial part. So then it says the whale leaps out of the water. The trainer feeds him a fish, the bears clap and clap and clap. What a show. Uh, sister and brother get, of course, chosen as volunteers. Sister tells the dolphin to leap. Brother feeds a fish to the whale. The, there's a big splash, they all get wet, and they laugh and laugh. Here's the thing. Brother has been begging to see the whale. It is only ever referred to as the whale. It is a whale. It is the whale. There is the show. There is the whale. You see the whale leaping out of the water. It's a whale. It's not a whale. And this is my big sticking point with this book. It's not a whale. It's a killer whale. 
also known as an orca, which is a type of dolphin. And what's strange is that this book, which seems dead set on being about the aquarium and educating about aquatic life, wouldn't take the time to be even, say, the whale, which is actually an orca, which is a type of dolphin, or the killer whale, also known as an orca, leaps out of the water. Instead, it just calls it a whale. This book, and the kids the whole time are not interested in the rest of the aquarium. They only want to see the dolphin. In the they want to see the dolphins. They want to see the whale. They want to see the show. Uh, and so in recent years, in the last decade, a lot of aquariums have been pulling back on their, on their whale and their dolphin, their orca shows especially, uh, and turning their these things into more intimate into more intimate exhibits where you're actually taught about the creatures and you may get to get up close to them, but it's not for the amusement of a large crowd because large crowds stress out these animals who again are mammals and uh, and might not have volunteered for this job and might not be comfortable around all these people. Uh, the, the fact that these animals are so stressed out and so unhappy and are not thriving is reason for aquariums to begin pulling back on shows like this. Now, of course, we have the marine worlds, the sea worlds type entertainment venues, which are not aquariums. They have aquariums in them, but they exist primarily to sell tickets and to entertain the rubes. Whereas aquariums, their primary job is to educate the public about marine life, promote conservation, and uh, and uh, continue interest in the in marine life. It's one of the controversies about zoos in general, which is you have all these animals in captivity, but the zoos will tell you the captivity part is just the, the tip of the iceberg. What zoos are really interested in is conservation. In order to be in order to do their conservation efforts, they have to have money. In order to make that money, they usually have to have zoos. That's how you keep people interested in animals. People will lose interest in animals if they only ever see pictures of them. If they encounter the animals up close and personal, it gives them more sympathy. It makes them more liable to, to donate to these organizations that will preserve animals. Yada, yada, yada. That's what I'm saying. This book doesn't address any of that. Why? It's a step into reading book trying to teach kids about, you know, this is a thing called an aquarium. It has pretty high reviews on Amazon. People seem to like it. Uh, one thing an interesting Amazon reviewer said was uh, just buy this book and then give it to your kids after you go to an aquarium and just tell them it's the souvenir, you'll save a lot of money on the aquarium because the souvenir gifts at the aquarium are really expensive, to which I say, yeah, but you're kind of taking money out of the aquarium's pocket and the aquarium might need that money, especially considering they're cutting back a lot on their dolphin and whale shows, which are their big money makers and having to raise the prices of admission. Uh, there's a lot of aquariums in this world. I'm going to Google right now how, 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 I keep miss, I can't type anymore. How many aquariums are in the US. How many, 436 aquariums exist in the US. So if you wanna go to an aquarium and you live in the United States, you have there's a good chance you could go to one. If you, uh, if you live elsewhere in the world, I don't know. According to this, there's more than 200 marine aquariums and ocean life centers around the world. So I don't know where the 430, oh, that's because it's counting zoos as well. I just wanna know how many aquariums are in the USA. Uh, 48 to 52. That's a, that's a that's a better one. Forty eight to fifty two. How many? Not four hundred. I thought that sounded. I thought that sounded. But there's a pretty good chance there's one in your state. I guess is what I'm saying. Or, or relatively good. Relatively good. Uh, the source I'm looking at doesn't know if there's any in Canada or Mexico. So if you're Canadian or Mexican, you have an aquarium. I don't know. They're usually near the ocean because it's easier to transport water that way. You know, ocean water because they are mostly saltwater and ocean life based. Uh, but that is the Berenstain Bears. Uh, visit the aquarium, go to the aquarium, at the aquarium, love the aquarium, the trouble with aquariums. What's it called? The Berenstain Bears at the Aquarium by Jan and Mike Berenstain. Should you buy it for your kids? 
I, I think it's a good, I think it's a, maybe a good starting place to have this conversation uh, about aquariums. You know, are they good? Are they bad? Uh, have you been to the aquarium? So your kids like aquariums. Do they like fish? Do they hate fish? I don't know. I can't tell you. Also, Honey Bear is in this book. She doesn't do anything and they never call attention to her. Um, also, the dolphin trainers are wearing a large beaded neck. Oh, that's I, I thought she was wearing a large beaded necklace. It's a, it's a whistle on a chain. But it looks like the, I was like, why is the dolphin trainer wearing a necklace? Doesn't make sense. In any case, that is 2012. The Baron Bears at the aquarium. Give to your local aquariums. If they're doing dolphin and whale shows, maybe write them a stern letter because we don't need that mess in the world anymore. Uh, and uh, and buy a Berenstain Bears of the Aquarium. You can get it on Kindle. It's cheap. It's cheap. Uh, it's only a few bucks. Uh, or you'll ask your local bookstore to get it in for you. It's cute. It won't take up a lot of your time. And I bet your kids will like looking at the pictures of the fish. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I always enjoy this, this time we have together. You can listen to me on my other shows, Pizza Toast. Uh, that I do with Christy Admiral, which I'm about to record right now. And uh, what's the other one called? It's Del Toro Time, a Guillermo del Toro adjacent podcast that I do with my daughter, Willow. Uh, we've been on a little bit of an on and off break as she's been getting ready to go to a, uh, on a trip for school. So we'll be back with that in a few weeks time. Uh, but keep cool out there. Stay safe no matter what you do. And I will see you all next time deep in bear country.